All right. So, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tech Terminal. Um, it's me again, Chris Cox, um, your managing director here from Orlando, uh, the Orlando branch here at Wildum with uh, Rodrigo Parra, who is uh, one of the managing directors out of Paraguay. Um, you may have heard us in one of our previous episodes where we talked a little bit about um, some agile myths out there um, and kind of demystifying some of the misconceptions um, to help you make better agile choices as well as uh, decide how you want to go about doing your sustainable development. Um, so yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. Uh, Roger, anything you want to mention before we get started? We'll talk a little bit about um, some of those previous agile myths that we mentioned last time and probably just branch out a little bit on that. So um, we have a little bit of a, uh, a little guide, but don't know if there's anything specific you wanted to, to mention. Nope. Hi, uh, hey Chris. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, I just wanted to say it's a pleasure to join you all again in this in another episode of uh, Tech Terminal. I think that this episode, that to me, in my head, it's like a logical follow-up of what we discussed uh, the last time. Um, I think last time we covered quite a few uh, issues that we commonly encountered in like in our experience with teams that are that they're trying to start uh, doing agile. And today, I think we're going to talk a bit more of uh, maybe things that should happen when when you start doing agile or how at least in theory uh, how things should work and then again also um perhaps share some experiences of how these things have uh evolved and have uh, worked for us uh in the past in past projects so happy to be here yeah definitely um obviously happy to to chat here with you today um i think you know what you mentioned is really interesting about our experiences because uh for the audience if you're with us for the first time um, Roger and I both are agile enthusiasts, um, but we both have different um, perspectives and point of view, basically just because of where we work within an, an agile development uh, project. Um, Roger is more on the technical side of the house and I'm more on the business side of the house. Um, so what that means is even though we're both aligned, um, our specific viewpoints are a little different, um, even though we're obviously working towards the same goal. So one of the things that I had noted down for today was um, from where I'm sat at the table, um, I am a product owner. So essentially I represent kind of like the best interests of the business stakeholders. And I tried to translate that, that down to um, the technical team. So I kind of sit in the middle between both groups, um, which, is like this constant negotiation exercise because um, business people, they sometimes have a harder time uh, understanding um, the actual processes of, an, of, an, of a long-term sustainable um, software or application development project. So, um, you know, I thought it would be interesting to kind of start there. Um, and what I noted down here is, you know, POs or product owners really act as a gateway between the business and development. Um, and one of the ways you can start to align those expectations or um, you know, requirements um, is through you know, like simple exercises like story mapping, which can lead to um, grooming early on with uh, development. Um, grooming, we essentially is, is, is a term that's kind of used interchangeably in, in, in the industry. Different 
organizations will put their own spin on it. But essentially, it's kind of like the way you can kind of actually dig deeper into some of those business requirements um, that comes as a result of, of story mapping. So, um, Raji, I kind of wanted to, you know, get your thoughts on that before we kind of dive into that a little bit. Um, you know, what have you seen from the technical side of the house uh, as far as, you know, like story mapping and kind of grooming or, or you know, high level solutioning uh, is concerned? Um, and, and I want to kind of emphasize that this is an extremely important part in the process for me to have a technical input as early as you can, um, because that helps to kind of get the conversation going between uh, business and dev and also help to lay down um, kind of like a, a roadmap to help set expectations on both sides. So kind of curious to get your thoughts there, like what kind of value have you seen or um, how have you um, work through those types of exercises from a technical standpoint. Yeah, um, as Chris mentioned, I think um, my point of view and his are probably complementary. Uh, I currently work as a solutions architect at Wildom, besides being a managing director here in Paraguay. So the topics the topics we're discussing today, I think, are very important for a, for an agile project because the backlog. Let's just take a step back and before talking about grooming, let's maybe discuss what the backlog is. So the backlog is just basically the set of epics and user stories that sort of describe at a high level what the roadmap of your product will be in terms of features and integrations and fixes and so on. Everything that needs to be done basically needs to be ideally laid out in the backlog. Uh, now that ends up being quite a long list for even the most trivial projects. Um, so the next step is basically how do we prioritize that list? Uh, at least that's how I think about it. And then that's what when grooming comes into place, you need to basically, as you mentioned, Chris, there are several ways to do it and different organizations and teams uh, do it in different ways. But basically the idea is to have a clear understanding and a description of each of the uh, features, epics, uh, user stories, you you name it, uh, in your backlog and try to prioritize what makes sense next. Um, in that sense, from a technical standpoint, I think it's, it's always useful to have a rough idea uh, in terms of technical complexity of uh, what, uh, what each of those epics or stories entail. And that's a tricky one, especially if you are working with a team because we developers, I think, are not so fond of estimating just because of the tight relationship uh, between that and sort of committing. So, um, but it's 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 good to have expect, like clear expectations between uh, the customer and the team that estimations are just what the name what, what the name implies. So we're trying our best given the the uncertainties that we have early on in the project, and actually forever, like uncertainty never goes away. It just diminishes with time. But it's, uh, we basically try to estimate, you can use story points for that or ideal days. There are several like the theoretical tools to try to estimate, by, but we try to estimate how hard, to put it simply, how hard would it be to build something? Uh, that added up to um, the business value that the clients and the product owner sort of try to estimate in their own way for each of the features sort of give us this interesting map like two-dimensional map in which we're 
ideally we would try to build, what we build next would be the thing that gives us the most business value while minimizing technical complexity at the same time. And figuring out what that next feature is, is, is a team effort and it requires input from the, both the technical side and the business side. Yeah, I, I actually like that. And I, I want to kind of double click on, um, you know, what you said about business value um, and and also taking into consideration um, like the perceived complexity to deliver something. Right. Because as a as a product owner um, who works closer to the business side of the house, um, normally I would own the product backlog. Um, and, and so it would be my job. Um, or whoever is a product owner within the organization, it would be their job to essentially help to move things around in the product backlog based on that, you know, perceived business value mixed in with whatever um, uh, perceived complexity um, tech leads like yourself have, have basically said, hey, you know, this is going to be super hard to deliver. We have so many unknowns about this or you know, this is a quick, quick win, low hanging fruit. We can get this out the door relatively quickly. Um, and I just wanted to kind of, you know, zero in on that because um, when when we're doing exercises like um, like story mapping and defining who our personas are, um, and and being able to see, you know, you know, have those conversations with business stakeholders to say, you know, we need to always be taking into consideration what the business value is and that can help you determine if something is um, more for the short term or, or for the longer term right because um, the way I see it there are kind of like two types of um, ongoing uh, initiatives and development from like a business standpoint you can either be building something that's a hundred percent new right so like an MVP of something that doesn't exist um, and it's a new you know, product or vertical within your company, or you could be layering something on top of legacy architecture. In both cases, the common denominator there is how do we maximize business value um, upfront with you know, maybe consuming the least amount of resources necessary. So um, this is a, a very, uh, valuable conversation to have from the business side of the house as well, um, because it it really you know as we start to get input from the technical team, it helps us to you know funnel that back up um, as product owners or business analysts. It help, helps us to funnel that back up to uh, business leadership and and say you know here's what we're getting from Dev as far as what we believe to be uh, you know in complexity to deliver. How do we want to shuffle things around in our backlog? And that kind of helps us. Um, that kind of helps us set the expectation, both on the business side of the house and both on the technical side of the house. On the business side of the house, um, it gives senior leadership some visibility into our world of what's actually going on in the build in the day to day, and it helps them make um, more informed decision as to what we want to release in the next six months, so that's 12 months or 18 months, right? So those are things that um, it's kind of like this ping pong between the business and IT that is a thousand percent necessary because without that, like you said, it's hard to um, really align initiatives to business value, taking into consideration, you know, some complexity um, that 
the technical team might perceive early on. Um, so kind of in, you know, along with that idea of, you know, estimating, which I'm not a huge fan of saying estimating either, because like you said, it does tie, tie you to kind of like the idea of committing. Um, and for, you know, business folks who are listening out there, it's, you know, obviously the question is always, well, how long is it going to take? And, and, you know, what's the timeline? Agile development is, is, is just that, right? There really are no definitive timelines. Um, that would probably be more tied to waterfall delivery. Um, but Agile allows us to pivot um, based on what we find out as we're going along, right? Um, but Roger, I kind of want to zero in on that, right? So if we're going to use the term estimation, um, I'm a huge fan of, of story pointing. Um, which is obviously, you know, for, for those who don't know or, or might not be as familiar with it, story pointing is essentially um, an arbitrary value um, that is, you know, it's, it's given, the, 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 the perceived complexity is given by the dev team. Um, and it's just an arbitrary value that teams would assign to individual tasks. Um, and it gives us some sort of visibility into how complex uh, or, or how much work we'd be able to achieve in a, in a sprint. So, but there are other ways of estimating, um, which Roger, I'm curious to see, you know, one, what's your preferred method and two, what are all, you know, what are other effective um, estimate estimation tools you've used um, from the technical side of the house when, when it comes to like figuring out what's going in your sprint backlog and what you're going to actually pull into each sprint. I actually agree on, on you with this one. Uh, I am a fan of story points as well, just because I think they convey the right idea for estimation, which is where you see a relative measure, which is going to depend, like a story point varies potentially from team to team, and it depends on uh, basically team velocity, which we're going to talk to, I think, uh, in, a, in a few more minutes. But um, it gives us a rough idea of or an estimate based on the relative complexity of other tasks in the project, like the way we've done it in the past. I think it's the way that most teams do it because it's relative. You pick uh, an initial story that you think might be, I don't know, uh, big to uh, an air quotes, but, and, you, and you give it a number. You can use Fibonacci numbers or what other series of numbers to do the estimation, but you pick that one and then, for, and then you start picking other stories and basically rate or score them based on uh, the relative complexity of that story uh, and the initial one. So that's that's kind of how it goes. Um, I like I like story points because of that because they are a relative uh, measure. I've seen like other theoretical uh, measures are uh, ideal days that I've worked with too, um, which is again it it also gives us. Uh, a, a certain sense of, of relativeness because you're talking about ideal days and we all know that not all days are ideal by any means. Uh, but basically if all the, the, the sort of the rough idea around ideal days would be uh, if you have a, if you have a, if you had a day where everything went according to plan, how many days of those <laughs> would it take you to finish this particular story? No, no, with no fires to put out. <laughs> uh <-huh>, exactly. <laughs> Um, so usually ideal days are, you do not think of them as eight hour, uh, days just because of what you just said. Uh, we, we do know that, uh, 
between meetings and fires that need to be put out and uh, everything else that happens uh, in a, on a day-to-day -day of a software project, uh, usually idea, ideal, ideal days are shorter. But they could be, they can be uh, a good compromise between the team and the business side if we re we're really into uh, maybe more uh, standard time measures. We have days in there, so it might help appease some of the business uh, business owners to hear that in there. Um, and I think those are the two major like players or options that you have in like standard agile uh, development. They both have their pros and cons, but if used correctly, I think they, they are both good tools uh, to do the, the estimation. I did like that when you talked about um, the timeline of a project, you you mentioned that um, we usually tend to uh, think of a software project, especially like products in like quarters or uh, yeah, basically quarters, even months can be a bit too strict. Quarters sort of have help uh, and they have helped in projects where I, that I've been a part of to set like soft goals for the quarter. It makes sense. I think the dev team usually feels um, um, sort of comfortable enough with setting uh, soft goals for a quarter. And it's a good compromise so that also management and uh, business owners can have a rough idea of what are we aiming at or what, what are we working towards uh, in a given period of time without saying, uh, let's say, uh, this is to be done by uh, August 25th at noon. Yeah. That, that's sort of the specificity that I think makes uh, like makes more harm than good uh, in a good software project. So I think story points, you can calculate a team velocity based on that and then setting soft goals for the quarter. They That has worked uh, well for me uh, in past projects to have to make both devs and the business side happy. Yeah, and I, I think it's, this is a good transition into the next point here and kind of what I want to, you know, kind of wrap up the session. Um, I, I really want to wrap up today's session around um, this idea of thinking for the longer term. Um, I think most business owners and most business leaders are thinking over the longer term uh, anyway, right? Obviously, there are some short-term short goals that you want to hear that or that you want to hit that add up to. Um, the longer term vision of the company. Um, but this, you know, that, that needs to also translate down into uh, development expectations as well. Um, and, and it's really helpful for, you know, if business leaders, leadership um, is, is looking at it from a, a quarterly standpoint, like you said, um, because, you know, in, in a year, you can say, you know, these are the things that we want to achieve for the business. Um, and always keep those things present, uh, and, and kind of have that trickle down into what our, you know, planning is or estimation or, or expectations of development is. Um, so for me, there's, there's two key components here, right? And, and, and I think this is a part of what we can help to, um, demystify in, in agile development and, and what the expectations are. Um, when we talk about velocity, um, Velocity does not mean how quickly you can develop. Um, it means how much uh, work we believe we can do in a two-week period, uh, or or however long your sprints um, are at your organization, right? And so there's there's two parts to this for me, um, because when we do our estimating, whether it be through story pointing or ideal days, um, everything that has 
been assigned some sort of estimation down at the task level goes into what we call the sprint backlog. And that sprint backlog uh, is different from the product backlog in the sense that it's owned entirely by the development team, right? So they are the ones who determine what they're going to pull out of the sprint backlog into their sprint and work actively on. Um, this goes hand in hand with, with velocity, um, which is, you know, over time, the dev team will start to learn about each other. Um, what, you know, you, you may have, you know, three or four individuals who are, uh, working, uh, in tandem on, on, you know, the same product, um, and each will have different skill sets and different levels of experience, um, and so there's obviously a chemistry that's built over time, and you start to learn about each other, um, and and you you start to see a pattern over time about how much, you know, how many story points you, on average, are able to work on, um, in 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 a given sprint, right? Um, which is again, you ha- kind of have to have this idea of the longer term because in order for in order for for sprints, you know, and and timelines, if we're going to speak up from the business side of the house, to become more and more predictable, um, we kind of have to have that lead time for dev to be able to uh, get to know each other if it's a new team, um, or you know, just have the time to gel and work with each other long enough to be able to more or less predict what they'll be able to work on in 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 a sprint, right? Um, so it's it's those two things, right, where um, once we have finished estimating each task or each story, um, they sit, they go to the sprint backlog and then dev as they, you know, as, as a team has had the opportunity to work more and more with each other, um, then you can start to predict out over, you know, two sprints ahead. What's the work that you're going to put in each sprint. You can shift things around, of course, based on, um, any, you know, changes in the market or, or, uh, you know anything that that happens in real time that we need to adjust, but it still gives us this um, this this roadmap of what we can expect more or less for the team to be able to uh, work on in the spring. So I kind of wanted to you know zero in on that because when when folks ask you know how long is it going to take um, you know what's what's the timeline for this. You know, we kind of have to always uh, rein the conversation back in a little bit, and 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 you know, help our business partners to understand. Um, you know, really, what we're trying to achieve is certain business goals for you know quarter one or quarter two, whatever whatever that that you know, give or take timeline of a few months would be. Um, and then we achieve some sort of predictability over time as the team learns about each other. Um, and they're able to own their sprints and they're able to, you know, let's say they they do on average 200 story points. Um, they know, we all know that at a certain point, they can do on average a certain amount of points. With that information, me as a product owner, I can go back to the business and say, the team is w- roughly doing this per sprint. Is there anything that we want to prioritize? now or do we leave it for later you know so these are kind of the things that help to kind of set expectations on both sides of the house on on the technical side you don't have people getting burnt out um with you know enormous amounts of pressure um taking in a work that they that they likely aren't able to be able to to put out um accurately and on the business side of the house 
like I said, it gives that visibility. Um, so the business can see, you know, basically how do we operate uh, internally in a, in a, from an IT perspective um, in our day-to-day. And, and with that information, they can make uh, better informed decisions about what they want to uh, shoot for in one quarter and what they want to shoot for um, in, in uh, you know, the following quarters. So kind of, you know, that's kind of where I, where I have seen it from, you know, the business side of the house. Um, as that trickles down to the technical team, what kind of benefits have you seen um, as far as being able to more or less, again, predict the workload in each sprint? And it doesn't even really have to be exclusively the workload. It even comes down to, you know, morale or, you know, how the team is feeling uh, literally just as people um, doing the work, you know. So kind of, you know, give me your feedback there, your thoughts there. How have you seen uh, that kind of uh, predictability over time after the team has gelled? And um, what does that look like uh, internally from, from the, you know, the guys who are in the trenches, the guys and gals who are in the trenches actually doing the work? I think like you mentioned, uh, time and getting to know each other. I like that you use the word chemistry because I think that uh, that uh, very much applies, uh, definitely helps. And the best teams I've seen in action, which were like a pleasure to work with, basically had some time, had been working uh, together for some time and they knew their ins and outs, their strengths and weaknesses, and they were comfortable working with each other. So from a technical perspective, Velocity is super useful, as you mentioned, but also it's interesting that, I don't know, I've seen it in a book, I don't remember which one specifically, but there's a notion of uncertainty that uh, that we have in software projects and that diminishes with time and with information. And that exact same curve that, that I've seen in the, in the book is what I think applies also for velocity and uh, in a soft, of a software team. As the team gets to know each other, as uh, they basically have have faced some challenges already uh, together, the accuracy of the estimated velocity, how good we are at, uh, at estimating the team velocity, also improves, which benefits everyone, as you, as you mentioned. From a technical standpoint, the team, a team that has been working uh, together for months or why not years, I think it's way more comfortable uh, committing to things for a given sprint, knowing that they will be able or they are likely to hit the goals that, it's, that, that, that they set themselves. But also, as we use velocity for uh, giving answers to the business side, things like um, roadmaps or our quarterly goals are also most likely to be more predictable. Uh, they are never fully predictable, but we get better. I think that's that's the message I want to get across. That uh, as we work together, both developers only, like in the technical team, but also with uh, our clients on a given product, uh, things get better and uh, things get in terms of predictability. And usually, like the understanding of the problem is also much better from the team, meaning uh, the, both the business logic, but also maybe third-party integrations or tool, tools that they've decided to use. So all things come together, and uh, usually it's, uh, it's great to work with uh, within a team that, uh, that basically just gets to that point, that, that magic point in which uh, things just start like making sense, and uh, we just basically 
know each other. That's uh, that's what how I would put it. That's how I've uh, perceived it from the technical trench. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's uh, definitely kind of like the overarching idea of today's session, right? It's it's uh, owning the back the product backlog. Like you said, seems like this infinite list of things that we want to do from the business side of the house, um, and and it's it's you know it's you can have like three hundred things in the in the product backlog that you want to do, um, and all of that is achieved over time, right? So by you know naturally we have as as business folks we have to think over the longer term, um, and these are the practices that help us get there um, and help us get better at estimating, like you said. Um, and I just, I, you know, my, my thought is that, you know, the more and more we give the dev team an opportunity to grow and gel together and, 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 you know, have more accurate estimations about their perceived complexity of the workload on the business side of the house, it just puts us in a, in a much better position um, to make decisions about what we want to deliver, um, you know, this year, next year, three years out from now. Right. So, so yeah, I think, you know, again, uh, that is, is. Know, definitely the general idea of today's session. Um, Rodri, thanks again for um, you know taking a few minutes out of your day to chat today. Um, thanks to everybody who tuned in for today. Um, we could go on and on about this. We'll have to figure out another <laughs> where we can get another slot in um, to talk about agile things. Um, and another interesting one is probably for another episode is is scaled agile. That's a whole nother beast, but we'll leave that for the for uh, for a future uh, a future uh, conversation. Um, but yeah, thanks again, every, thanks again, everyone for for tuning in today uh, to Tech Terminal. Uh, again, I'm Chris Cox. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Christian Cox. Pretty straightforward. Um, Rodri as well is on LinkedIn. You can follow us uh, at on LinkedIn at uh, Wildom. Um, we are spelled W-I-L-L-D-O-M for those who uh, haven't heard of us before. Um, yeah, we're out there, you know, talking agile stuff, uh, staff augmentation, all the good stuff that's going to help take your business to the next level in terms of development. So until next time, uh, catch you guys later and hope you have an amazing rest of your week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>